Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message from Real Life Community, where we talk about connecting with God and others, growing in Christ-likeness, and sharing God's life with the world. My name is Sarah Comer, and I serve each week as Connections Pastor, making sure that you know that there is a God and a community that loves you and wants to go through the seasons of life with you. You can find us at reallifecommunity.org, and we would love to meet you on Facebook or Instagram. Until then, we hope this message meets you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you. This morning, may that be our prayer. That we would be a people who no matter what goes on in life, we are ordered by our adoration of you. Father, hear our prayers this morning. Receive them as our gifts of offering Lord Jesus, I know there's many ways that we can give back to you, but that's one of them. So Lord Jesus, today, I pray that we would know beyond a shadow of a doubt whose presence we are in. All God's people said, amen, amen. Thank you to our team for leading us this morning. Uh, You saw something rare this morning. You don't normally have the worship leader leading from the drums. That's not usually where that happens from, but that's the way it worked today. And uh, I think you all did a great job. Thank you so much. Um, This is what strikes me about this morning, and this is a freebie. This is a side note to what I'm going to be preaching about today. But um, our worship is infused by the power of Christ when we recognize that it is really not uh, our words, it's not, our, it's not us, it's about him. And this morning, all of those songs were prayers that you got to pray to God. Um, sometimes we get this uh, idea that prayer happens, you know, when we're on our knees by our bed or at an altar or whatever, but prayer happens when we communicate with the Father and the Father communicates back to us. So this morning, if you were listening, uh, the words in those songs um, were powerful words of prayer from a people to God. Uh, Give you a little background here. When it comes to to music that we sing in worship, there are a couple different things to to be thinking about. One of them is this. Uh, They are songs that are, are prayers, right? So we are not just, you know, singing and some of us hate to sing. How many of you hate to sing? A few of you were honest enough. Some of us just don't like singing. I was just with a pastor recently who says, I, I just don't listen to music at all. I'm like, is that even possible? But um, music is one way that we communicate. Now, some of you, when you're in here on a Sunday morning, you're like, I don't know the words, or I don't know the song, or I don't know what, or I just am not engaging. Can I just encourage you? You may not have to sing those words, but if you would read the words that are on the screens, you'll find yourselves um, praying and communicating with the Father and the Father back to you. So uh, in one way, it's us communicating to the Father. And sometimes the songs are very personal songs. They're songs from a person to God. Sometimes the songs are from a people to God. So pay attention to the pronouns. Sometimes it's I, it's me. Sometimes it's we or us. And uh, the idea is that in worship, you move from the... Uh, from moving, we move from outside uh, of the, the gathering, you know, our week, and we move into, and we continually move in towards what we call 
the proclamation of the word, the word of God. Um, and so we, we have this movement that brings us into what Scripture can call sometimes the Holy of Holies, where we recognize we have moved, we've taken steps closer to God, and in doing that, we also make this move from, from individual to communal. And so I love the way the songs went together today about talking about I and me, but moving to us and we. Because if we are nothing else, we are a people worshiping the Father. So I'm excited this morning for what God has in store for us. If you have your Bibles, grab them. We're going to be in, uh, actually we're going to be in a couple different places, but we're kind of going to take our launching point uh, from, uh, from Proverbs. Um, but as you're grabbing your Bibles or opening your phone or your iPad or your scroll, whatever you have with you today, um, I want you to be thinking about one thing that you have learned this week from your reading of Proverbs. If uh, you're new to us today, we as a church are spending July in Proverbs. Uh, we're calling it a walk through wisdom. Uh, should have called it a walk with wisdom, uh, but that's what we're doing. And if you'd like a, one of these, we've got some available for you. But uh, today's the 11th, which means we're in which proverb? The 11th proverb, right? Proverbs is a great book uh, set up for daily reading. So um, be thinking, what have you learned already this week, the first 10 or 11 days of spending time in Proverbs? What, have, what has struck you? What has moved you? What has messed you up? Uh, what bothers you? Can I have some input from the peanut gallery? Anyone have some thoughts, comments? Not all at once. Take your turn. No one. No one wants to say it out loud. That's all right. It gets confusing sometimes. Thank you. Yes, how many of you, as you're reading through Proverbs, you're like, I just, I don't get it. Yeah. In fact, uh, some of the commentators actually make note of, of this, how there are different sections to Proverbs, and the different sections speak differently to us. And sometimes they, are, they appear more of like a, of a narrative. Sometimes they just feel like someone gathered a bunch of ideas and just threw them together, and it's just like a list. And for us to read through with one mindset just doesn't quite work. Sometimes we have to step out and say, oh, this is a different part of the book, and it's set up differently. So yeah, sometimes it just doesn't make sense, which is true of all of Scripture, right? How many of you are like, yes, amen? Yeah. How many of you have ever started reading through the Bible, and you've gotten to, like, uh, numbers? And you're like, uh, what's the spiritual value of this one? It's a genealogy. It's about counting things. Be okay with not feeling like you get it. It doesn't make you less of a follower of Jesus. But let me just say this, don't stop when you hit the road bumps. When you hit the walls, don't stop. Keep pressing on. All right, what else? Any other thoughts about our reading through Proverbs? Okay. There's a few things I'm going to bring out today, but I just want to make sure that you have an opportunity to voice your uh, observations. 
And I guess I should say, I am assuming that everyone is reading, but I know that not everyone is. Uh, we invite you to, some of you are like, well, I, I forgot about it. Well, jump back in. It's the 11th, Proverbs 11 today, okay? So this morning, as we think about uh, Proverbs, one of my favorite um, statements about the use of Proverbs comes from uh, one of the most prolific preachers that uh, the, the modern world has ever known, and that was Billy Graham. Billy Graham said it this way, I used to read five psalms every day that teaches me how to get along with God. Then I read a chapter of Proverbs every day, and that teaches me how to get along with fellow humans. Think about that. Five psalms, one Proverbs. Five psalms that help me do this. Everyone, do this. This is our vertical relationship with God, which is an odd way to kind of think about it because that's just the way we often do it. But really, God's right here with us. But work with me here. So our vertical relationship, hands up again. This is our vertical relationship with God, which is why sometimes you see people in worship lift their hands. So this is Psalms. This is Proverbs. All right, hands outstretched. Hands outstretched. Stay with me for a second. Now go like this. <laughs> As you hit each other. Ah, oh, I've been waiting all week for that to happen. <laughs> so here we go. Again, our Psalms are what? Come on, everyone. Psalms are this. Proverbs are what? This. And when we do this, we rub shoulders with people. We bump up against people. And, and sometimes that's not a pretty sight. Sometimes it's pretty ugly, right? But sometimes it's great. And sometimes you just know that you're a part of a people that makes you better. And when we come to Proverbs, what we're talking about is the combination of the two that brings us to the center of the holy life. Um, and I'm going to talk about this in just a second, but I want to mention just briefly salvation. Sometimes we think that salvation is simply about getting uh, our ticket out of here to another place. While that is part of it, salvation also is about teaching us and equipping us to live here and here, which is right here. And that's why for us, the cross is such an important symbol for our faith because it is one of those things that reminds us that we're this, come on people, and we're this. <laughs> I think... As I look out at you, you've got your hands up, and I, I'm thinking about a roller coaster ride, right? How many of you would say, my relationship with Jesus has been a roller coaster ride? Yeah. And there have been some up moments, and there have been some down moments, but it's been a roller coaster ride. And that's what I love about Jesus. He helps us live fully present in the moment, and the intersection of how we live with God and with each other is the cross where we find heaven and earth coming together. And Proverbs for us helps us with the part of our faith that is not just about this, but it really is about this. But you can't have this without this. Well, you can. But oftentimes we make a mess of it. But Proverbs, which is this, 
is grounded firmly in this. So if you find yourself uh, struggling in relationships with, with other people, can I just suggest to you that maybe, just maybe, we need to spend some time on this. There's a verse in Ephesians that has been on my mind all week, and it's the prayer of a pastor for his people. And as I have thought about Proverbs and wisdom and our journey through this, this kind of encapsulates my heart for you and my prayers for you as a church, as I know it probably is true of many pastors for their church. And it's this, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, we read these words. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere. Did you hear that? Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. This is Paul. I could have written, well, I, that sounds awfully arrogant. But the words that Paul is speaking here are my words for you. They're Christie's words for you. There are words as a pastoral staff for you that you would have the spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. So as we go to Proverbs this morning, I want to just point out the first seven verses. The first seven verses give us instruction. It's the beginning point. It's the, okay, what you're about to read is going to make a whole lot more sense if you get these first instructions. We read these words. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline. Now, it's interesting. Uh, discipline and wisdom often go together. How many of you love discipline? <laughs> Some of you A-types love discipline because it just kind of resonates with you, you know, having structure and being held accountable to that and being disciplined. And... But hear this, wisdom and discipline are, are almost always paired in tandem together which means we have to be a people who become comfortable with discipline in our life. Because if nothing else, the word of God disciplines us. It calls us to a standard and it gives us the power to do it. But it also reminds us when we stray from that. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives to help them do what is right, just, and fair. If you want to know how to be a business owner, spend some time in Proverbs. If you want to know how to be a good uh, uh, employee uh, at your company, read the Proverbs. If you want to know uh, how to be a better husband or wife or kid, or grandparent, or aunt, or uncle, or neighbor, or you fill in the blank, spend time here because it's going to help us understand 
how to be right, just, and fair. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning of these Proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. This is the word of God for the people of God and the world. And our response to this is, thank you, Jesus. Um, I, I want to make a note on that. It, it is important for us to recognize that this word is given to us for instruction. It's, it's there to help us understand how to live life, the, especially the kind of life God has called us to. But I say in there that this is for the people of God and the world. But here's the deal. The world just doesn't quite know yet that this is their word as well. Unless they are seeing this word come to life in you. And they are recognizing, oh, huh. That makes a difference in that person's life. I bet it could make a difference in my life. When we talk about evangelism in the church, there's all different ways and methods that we can talk about it. But, but probably at the core of, of every evangelistic method um, or effort is this. We are wanting people to become part of the story of God that we are part of. And so when it comes to the word of God, we, we really do want to help people recognize that this word is their word. But we have to first understand that it's our word. And in, the, in, and in the great economy of God, when we say ours, it's never for accumulation. It's never just for us. It is always ours so that it can be theirs. Hear me say that. Back in, in, in Genesis, um, uh, God speaks to Abram and says, I'm going to bless you. And I'm sure Abram's like, sweet, the God of all heaven and earth and is going to bless me and I'm going to have everything I need. God says, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing. And that's been who we are. So when it comes to, um, to, to what we have, it's God blesses us so that we can give it away. We receive God so we can give God away. We have God's word so we can give it away. But we first have to get through our heads and our hearts what God wants to do in us. So salvation, as I mentioned earlier, is, is about far more than just getting into heaven. It's about becoming part of Jesus' story. The Jesus story that's unfolding around us. Not just the Jesus story that we have, that we read about, or that we watch shows or movies about. It's not just that story, because that story is still panning out. We are still a part of that story. And there seems to be a gap in the New Testament between uh, the, uh, there's a gap between kind of the early church and the years kind of immediately following the early church, uh, and then the end of time. There's this gap. There's nothing mentioned in the scriptures about it. That's where we show up. That's where people, that's where the story's unfolding right now. We get to be a part of that. So salvation is really also about helping us become a part of that story so that we can become outposts of the kingdom of God. We can be ambassadors, messengers. We can be bearers of this good news 
because that's what God's people do who are part of God's story. We are filling in the blank. Salvation is about life then, but it's also about life now. It's also about life then. Salvation gives us wisdom for today, but it also gives us wisdom for tomorrow. Salvation is at the heart of what wisdom is. Salvation helps us gather the kind of wisdom we need to live the life that God's called us to live. As we are saved, we are being made wise, hopefully. Proverbs, give you a little background. Written, um, it is believed that Proverbs is written primarily by Solomon, which is a little off from what actually took place because all of these Proverbs were the Proverbs of Israel. And Solomon was enamored with the wisdom of, of Israel. Not just Solomon, but he becomes kind of the epitome, kind of the, the, the poster child of ancient Israel wisdom. And so he has this brainchild, says, you know what, I think we should gather all this wisdom together so that we can make it a part of our literary tradition, so that we can then hand that down to our kids and our grandkids and our great-grandkids, and the list goes on. What Solomon had in mind in a way, was you today living the life that God's called you to live. And Solomon says, I want them to know how God has just enabled us as a people to be wise in all areas of our life. So it's believed that this book was written about a thousand years before Jesus shows up, give or take a few decades. Uh, Before Jesus shows up, this is being brought together. King Solomon is one of the, the most, one of the names that is attached to this the most. King Hezekiah is another name that had his influence. And it is believed that these words were brought together over a period of about 300 years. Which means there's no way that Solomon could have written all of them. But if we understand that it's not Solomon sitting down saying, how can I help these people figure out how to live life? No, it's Solomon saying, hey, we've got all this great stuff around us. Let's gather this together so that we can have a unified understanding of what it means to be wise. So Solomon was just notorious for this. Um, Solomon, the wisdom literature tradition, firmly believed that wisdom such as this had something to do with changing lives both today and tomorrow. The Proverbs were gathered over this long period of time which meant that there were other people who were involved in the process. But here's the beauty of the word of God. We know that while there were many people who were involved in the process, God was the one orchestrating all of it. How in the world can you take a document that's written over 300 years and keep it unified? God. Someone who sits over the process and influences, and affects, and puts upon people's hearts the words that need to be written. And this is what we find happening in Proverbs. Proverbs may be one of the primary, if not the main um, example of wisdom literature that we have, but it's not the only one. Some other books that you will be familiar with are Ecclesiastes, 
and Job. And there's some others that you may have heard of, but aren't necessarily a part of Scripture, but they're still part of the wisdom tradition. They just weren't included in, in the book. So these books, and especially the book of Proverbs, bear witness to the importance of the pursuit of wisdom in ancient Israel. And my question to you this morning is this. Can you today say that your life is marked by a pursuit for the wisdom of God to bear fruit in your life? I can guarantee you I know the answer. Yes and no. I make a great politician, wouldn't I? The reality is this. We live in a day and age where there's so much speaking into our lives that sometimes a confusing book like Proverbs doesn't always rise to the top. But for people who recognize that they are formed and shaped by God, we have to recognize that God has given us words. God has given us guidance and direction, not just in the word of God, but God has given us his spirit. So that as we're living life and we're wondering, oh my gosh, what do I do about this? We can, A, we can go to Proverbs and see if there's some help there. But we can also just go to God and say, God, I need you. And God might speak to you through Proverbs or Psalms, or you pick any other books. God might speak to you through the people of God, which is awesome. But God gives us Proverbs. Now, one of the dangerous things that we can tend to do as Christians as we go to Scripture is we have a problem and we want to find a solution, right? So we go to the back of the Bible, or we pull out, there are some entire books devoted to this, and we say, okay, grief. What does God say about grief? Oh, there's a few verses. I'm going to go and I'm going to stay on those. Now, that can be a very good thing. But it can also be a dangerous thing. Because if we think that the only thing God has ever said about grief is those five verses, huh, we are sorely wrong. Because more than just five verses, God's entire word speaks about how we are to be a people who are affected by grief. That's just one example. That's why it's so important for us to be a people of the word. Not just a people who know how to mine the word for things to prove our points. Great knowledge does not necessarily mean great wisdom. In our day and age, uh, we have the greatest access to knowledge that humanity has ever had. I mean, it, it, there is more knowledge out there. In fact, if you want to just spend your time learning, you can do it. And it'll take many lifetimes because there's so much out there. And it's so accessible, which is great about our, our day and age. But just because you have knowledge does not mean you have wisdom. Wisdom is knowing how to take that knowledge and put it into practice. And it is guided and shaped by something so much bigger than the wisdom itself. You can treat Proverbs as knowledge. I know what Proverbs 8.10 says. But to understand that all of Proverbs is coming from some place that is affecting us, that is moving us, that is, that is transforming us, takes 8.10 and joins it with 8.9 and 8.11 and all the other chapters, and we have all of a sudden have this, this, this letter, this word, this document, this, 
this move of God in our life that says, I want you not just to love me, but I want you to know how to live life. I want to give you the gifts. Proverbs is a gift from God. There's a few things that strike me about Proverbs as I've been reading this week, and one is this. In Proverbs, wisdom references a body of knowledge, but also a reasoning ability. So there's different issues that are kind of thrown out at us in Proverbs. And God says, I want, to take, I want you to take that issue and I want you to learn some principles that will help you deal with that issue. Now, you may not have your issue and solution. You might not be able to pair those, right? But you might have some principles that will help you understand how to have a relationship with another person, how to love a spouse, how not to get tangled up in um, the kind of living uh, that it would be marked by darkness, how not, how not to uh, succumb to the uh, temptations of this world. Proverbs is giving us this. But Proverbs and wisdom, in, in Proverbs, wisdom has a personality. It's referred to as a woman. And this woman seems to have been created by God and was present even at creation. Now, please, 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 please hear me. We are not saying that we have gotten God all wrong and that God's not three in one, God's actually four in one. Not saying that. But we are saying that wisdom has a personality, which means it's something that we can have a relationship with. We can have a good relationship, we can have a bad relationship, but we can have a relationship with this. And in Proverbs, we read about wisdom being present there when God created the heavens and the earth, which might suggest that somehow, in some way, shape, or form, God created all that we have wisely. Which means that things go together for a reason. Wisdom was a part of creation. And if wisdom was a part of creation... Wisdom is still a part of creation, which means we should be able to engage in life, in living, in wise ways. Because that's how things work. Uh, I had an electrician in here this week uh, to kind of talk to us about some of our funky electrical issues in the building. Um, He has a lot of knowledge and wisdom about electricity that I do not have. I can kind of like take some stabs in the dark <laughs> when the electricity's out. Um, but he has a different ability to speak into the issue. I can speak and give you guidance and direction, but what I have to offer you in no way, shape, or form compares to what God has to offer you. God understands which is why in Proverbs 3, 5, 6, we read these words. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Oh, but pastor, I prayed and God hasn't answered my prayers. I'm a firm believer that those non-answers that we think God is giving us those moments when we just don't think God is responding to us, I'm a firm believer 
that those are God's responses. We just don't like them sometimes. Wisdom would suggest that sometimes we need to trust the Lord even when it doesn't make sense to us. Which would suggest then that wisdom is timeless. Wisdom was there at creation. Wisdom continues. It, wisdom, wisdom is timeless. The principles that we find in wisdom affect us no matter what generation we're a part of. No matter what deal we're struggling with. Wisdom helps us navigate life. And it has been navigating, helping us navigate life for approximately 3,000 years, give or take a few decades. 3,000 years. And the truth in Proverbs is still alive and well. It is still ticking. It is still affecting us. At the heart of Proverbs is the writer's encouragement that we find in Proverbs 3 that I just read for you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. If you do nothing else in life, nothing else, trust in the Lord with everything you've got. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. This is the God who was wanting to give you life. And around here, we call it real life. God wants to take the junk that often this world gives us, their interpretation of real life, and actually make it what it was supposed to be. And it happens because of our relationship with God. So um, if, if wisdom is, a, uh, is a, a woman, that, a person, a personality, a being uh, that we can journey with, that we can walk with, that we can have a relationship with, my question to you this morning also is, who do you journey through life with? Who forms you and shapes you? Oh, there are some words that have kind of etched themselves in my being, and one of them comes from a youth pastor that Christy had, and I'm so thankful for that youth pastor who invested in my wife before she was ever my wife. I'm going to gather with her on Wednesday night, and some of you, if you can come, we're going to celebrate the investment of pastors in people. There are going to be people who go through Pastor Sierra's ministry who are going to become preachers someday, missionaries someday. There are going to be people who are going to become amazing husbands and wives and workers and lawyers and doctors and nurses, and, and the list goes on. I am thankful for people like Sierra. But if we can have this relationship, here's, here's the phrase. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. It's true because I've seen it. Over 20-some years of ministry, I've seen it. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Show me who you're hanging out with, and I'll show you what your future is going to be. For example, if you hang out with wisdom, I can guarantee you what your life is going to be like. But you see, there are those who choose not to follow with wisdom and you know what Proverbs calls those people? Huh? Fools. <laughs> so are you wise or are you foolish? I'm thinking about that song. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. But the foolish man built his house on the sand. And when the rain came down and the floods came up, the rains came down, what happened to the 
house on the sand? Whoosh, washed away. Show me your friends. Show me who you're hanging out with and I'll show you your future. In him, in Jesus, we find the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. If you want to know how to be wise, and all of you do because you ask us questions, and I'm glad you ask us questions. There are people who still contact us from churches long gone. We're long gone from them. The churches aren't long gone. Um, who just want to know, hey, Pastor, what do you think about this? And I want to say, as I'm talking, get to know Jesus. Talk to Jesus about more than you're, this, more than you're talking to me about this. I'll talk to you all you want, but Jesus has got better answers than me. So if we want to find wisdom, folks, we need to find Jesus. So let me ask you this. So this is how we're leaving things. Here's, my, here's our response. What would it look like for you to scrap your feeble attempts at living life on your own terms and completely yield to the move of God in your life? Let me repeat. What would it look like for you to scrap your feeble attempts at living life on your own terms and completely yield to the move of God in your life? What if you ask God for the Proverbs to become the very life within you, not just a piece of knowledge in your head? What if you became so at one with God that the wisdom of God would become the natural overflow of that relationship in your life? Who knows? Who knows that there might be something in your life that Proverbs is picking at and saying, hey, you've been listening to the wrong voice and it's attracted you into wrong places. One of the probably most vivid personalities in Proverbs other than wisdom is the woman who entices men into her home to do things that they don't want to do, but they buy hook, line, and sinker. It's almost like Lady Wisdom and Lady whatever represent the opposite ends of the spectrum. They represent the different voices that we allow in our hearts and in our minds. But my prayer to you, for you today, and my prayer for myself today is this, Lord, reveal in me my foolishness. Help me to own my foolishness so that I can be wise. Stand with me, church. I want us to pray. I want us to pray, and as we do so, I want us to be thinking about our wise ways and our foolish ways. I, I want us to be thinking about those habits that we have, those propensities, those tendencies, to choose every option but the right one. Like Paul once said, I struggle because sometimes the very things I want to do, I don't do, but the things I don't want to do, I do. Is that your struggle this morning? We have 20 
days left in Proverbs. And ultimately, my prayer is that it would become a rhythm of your life after July 31st. But that on, June, on August 1st, you would re-up. And it would be about you becoming molded and shaped and formed by the wisdom of God in your life. It's an ongoing process. It's a long, obedient journey in the very same direction. But this morning, would you just close your heads? Close your head. Close your eyes. You can close those too. Later, after we get out of here. Um, and, my, and I just want to pray a prayer for you. And my prayer is that you would pray with me and that this prayer would become your prayer. So as I pray, I would invite you to join me. Heavenly Father, this morning, we, uh, we are hearing your word. And Lord, I, I just know that there are many of us in this room and online who are kind of wrestling right now with the reality that we know the truth, but we have not yet let that truth set us free. So God, this morning, my prayer for us as a people is that we would be a people of wisdom. That it wouldn't be about us. It would be about you. So God, I just pray that in this place, uh, for the arrogance in us, Lord, that you would highlight that. You would reveal that to our hearts and our minds. You would show us where that path leads and you would help us surrender our arrogance to you. Lord, I, I pray for our brokenness. The brokenness that some of us are holding on to because at least we understand it. But God, I pray that you would show us where our brokenness leads and you would help us to surrender that and find wholeness in you. God, I, I pray that you would, you would reveal our confusion, the ways that we just don't understand life. And, and, and God, I just pray that you would help us find that wisdom has an answer. And Lord, help us be willing to let go of everything that we're holding on to because we think we know what's right. And because it's at least what we want. But God, I pray that wisdom would be the louder voice in us today. That wisdom would be the louder voice in our country and in our world. I pray that wisdom would just reign true in our lives. It would ring true in our beings and that we would be a people molded and shaped by wisdom. Oh, God. And Lord, as we yield to that, I pray that you would help us recognize the real life that you have for us. Thank you that you are a giving God who finds us and welcomes us in just the way we are, but loves us still too stinking much to leave us there. In the name of that God, we pray. Amen. Amen. My benediction for you today is this, and it's out of Titus chapter 2. 
And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. Until we meet again as the people of God, may we go and be a blessing to others because of the ways that God has blessed us. Have a blessed week. And may God change everything that you are struggling with. Thank you for joining us today. We would love for you to join us in person. Our address is 2022 East Main Street in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. If you'd like to make a donation to keep our podcast ministry going, you can do so online at reallifecommunity.org. Thanks again for listening.